I said uh, we started a, a series a, a couple of weeks ago, and it's a series uh, called "Battle for the for the Mind." And by the way, uh, we've just kind of started the the battlefield. I mean, battle for the mind. Things that are going on on Wednesday night. If you don't know what that is, uh, come at about six fifteen. We eat. You don't have to come for the food, but also about six forty five. Then we have uh, we have things in here that uh, you, it's a great way to meet people. It's a great way to grow. If you're wanting to mow, know more a little bit more about what we're talking about, or on a Thursday morning with the, with the women's group, also on, uh, on Sunday mornings. We're breaking into small groups as well there. So if you want to go deeper, that's the way to do it. But we talked about this. We talked about uh, that, you know, if you're riding a bike, you're going to go wherever the front wheel is taking you. You may want to go, say you really want to go this way, but, your, but the front wheel is going this way. You're going to go this way. It doesn't matter which way you want to go. It matters which way the, the front wheel is going. And we said the mind is like that. It doesn't matter just where you want to go. You may want to go one direction, but if your mind's going a different direction, you're going to go the direction of where your thoughts are. You're going to go direction of, uh, of where those are. So if you want to change your life, you need to change the way you think. If you want to change the way where you're, go- where you're going in life, the direction you're going, then we need to change which way we're going there. Here's the, there's a saying that says this, uh, sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a lifestyle, and you sow your lifestyle, and you reap your destiny. Where you end up in life, where you end up really in eternity, it all starts with your thought life. It all starts with what you're thinking. And you can't have a, a positive life if you're stinking thinking. You can't have a, a, a godly life, a directional life with God if you're having thoughts that are ungodly as, as you go along. So the Bible says, says this, for a, as a person thinks in their heart, this is Proverbs 23, 7, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. Do you know what that's saying? That's saying your life is going to go in the direction of your biggest thoughts. And, uh, and, and so, so also, oops, here we go. We talked last week about neural pathways. And neural pathways are, are this, that it's saying every time you have a thought, this is amazing, your brain's amazing. Every time you have a thought, it makes a pathway in your brain. It, it, it does something chemically to your brain. And it forms a, uh, what's called a neural pathway. And, and so the next time you, you think that, that you'll go down this direction a little more, that'll create, create a little path. And the more you think this way, the more you'll go that way, the deeper the path will, will get. And it's easy by after a while, you start thinking this way, this is your, this is your normal way of, uh, of thinking. And that's a good thing. That's a really, really good thing if your thoughts are good, because you're going to go the direction of those and you're forming a path. In fact, the Bible says this in, uh, in, in Philippians, he, Paul says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. If we're thinking about these things, we are forming incredible pathways in our, in our mind. But the problem is a lot of times we don't think what is pure and what is right and what is, what is, what is good and what is lovely in our, in our minds. And because of that, sometimes we can form some negative uh, neural, neural pathways. And what we want to talk about today is something called cognitive bias. And what that means is this. What that is is we form a, we have a framework that we think. We have a filters. We have filters that we go through that, that may be true and may not be. And if you can imagine, if we have negative filters in life, uh, that everything comes through that filter, 
it's going to affect our life in a big way. An example of this would be one time my, my dad and I were going into a restaurant and he said, oh, man, it's closed. And I said, what do you mean it's closed? It's not closed. He said, he said, I said, it's open. He said, it can't be open. It's dark. I said, dark? It's not dark. What are you talking about? And he turned around and he looked at me and had, he had dark sunglasses on. And everything he saw is going to turn dark. He saw, he saw something that was closed when it was open. And if we have a negative filter that we see everything through, if we're looking through, if our mind is a negative filter, then we're going to see, we're going to see places that are closed when they're actually open. We're going to see things that are dark when they're actually light. We're going to see things that are bad when they're actually good in, uh, in, in life. And you, you take a look also. Here's, uh, here's a picture that somebody in our church took. This Phil Bumgarner took this. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a rainbow? But here's one thing that anybody's in photography knows, that you can change the filter and you can totally change the picture. And here's what he did here. He just put a, a filter on. Watch what happens to that rainbow. Look at it. Completely disappears. I mean, and, and think of this too. You can also put on, you can put a haze filter on your camera and, and haze just disappears. Or you could put a high density filter on your camera and it can be bright sunshine out, but you can't see it because of the density of that film or the, or the filter. Also, you can have, uh, there can be colored filters as well. And, and then say you take a picture of a, of a sunset and you put a yellow or red uh, filter on that and suddenly the, the the colors just explode. They're absolutely vivid. So whatever you see, you can totally change the picture. It can be the exact same photograph, but you change the, the filter on there, and it's a completely, completely, completely different, different picture. That is why the people can go through the exact same situation, the exact same situation in life, and they can respond completely different. You've seen it. I've seen it. How about this? Maybe somebody can give a, uh, give a review, a supervisor, a boss can give a review to three different people, and they can respond to that review completely, totally different. It can be the same person saying the exact same words in the exact same environment, and three people are hearing it completely different. One person goes, well, who does she think she is? Who does he think he is giving me a report like that, giving things? Who did, they're not even good, and what? They're mad. They're angry. This person just crumbles and goes, oh, man, they said some, they said some things where I need to improve and I'm, man, I'm probably going to lose my job and this person is absolutely distraught because of this. And this person over here goes, okay, they said some good things. I'm doing some good things, right? I'm so, but there's some things I need to improve on. If I improve on that, man, I'm going to take, take everything to another level. Isn't that weird? Three completely different responses with the exact, with the exact same thing. A few uh, months ago, I had a friend that he and I ate, uh, ate lunch together. But we had had just moments before, we had had completely different uh, experiences with the same situation. Here's what happened, that there was a lady coming towards the door. I saw her coming, and I opened the door for her. Well, she responded as if, you'd have, you know, if, if, I'd, have, if I'd have given her a million dollars. She says, well, thank God, chivalry isn't dead yet. And she was just, I mean, it was wonderful. I'm thinking, yeah, that's cool. I'll open door for every lady within five miles from here now. But the same person, I mean, the same situation, my friend opens the door for a lady, letting her in, and she said, I can open my own blankety-blank door. And I'm thinking, same situation, same act, completely different responses, all based on what the filter is. And you wonder over here, what in the world did this lady go through that this became uh, an act of kindness, became a negative thing? And my, my friend said this. He said, I'll be honest with you. He said, right now, I don't want to open a door for another lady as long as I live. 
And here's the weird thing, but, but he caught himself and realized, you know what, he could go through the exact same filter that was happening here, and now everything's negative in that. We need to watch what we're seeing. We need to see what we're, what we're going through. Because, uh, because another word, I mean, another thing too, is you can have two people coming in this building at the exact same time, sit next to each other, not know each other, but sit next to each other, and you can have somebody come in and go, you know what? You know, Christians, man, they are all hypocrites. They just, all they want is money, all they want, blah, blah, blah. You know, big churches, all they blank, blank, blank. And then, or somebody can come in and go, you know what, Christians, they, they blow it just like, just like we do, just like everybody else. And big churches can do a whole lot of really good things. And I mean, they can go to the exact same service. And which one's going to get more out of the, the service than the other? All because of the filter that they're seeing it through. All because of the filter of what's going through their, through their mind. And here's something too. Studies have shown that if you have a, a great relationship with your earthly dad, if you have a great relationship and you just see him as a, as a, a he's a positive person, he's, a, he's loving, he's caring, he's compassionate, he's generous, he's there for you in your, in your life, then you probably have a really good, when God, when it talks about God being our, our, our father, we know, okay, our earthly dad's not perfect, but man, I can understand that God's generous and God's compassionate, loving, because I've, I've seen an example of that. But then we can do the same thing. And if somebody has a negative experience and dad's abusive or dad's mean or dad's, dad's stingy or dad's whatever, he's not there for you, then sometimes we can have that same picture of God if we don't break through that. That our filter of what we've seen in life of how we've grown up can profoundly affect how we view people, how we view others, how we view ourselves, how we view God, and how we view the world. The filter makes such a difference. So what we need to do is we need to reframe. We need to reframe how we, how we think. And what I mean by that is I love photography, and I've seen something. I've seen, I've taken a picture, I've put it in one frame, and it did nothing. It just wasn't, wasn't happening. And I put the exact same picture in a different frame that's, that it, where the colors come and everything, and man, it just pops, and it becomes alive. So that, the, the picture hasn't changed. It's just how you frame things that have, uh, that have changed. An example of this would be the, the little kid that he, he goes out to the field, and he said, I am the greatest hitter in the world. And man, this guy, the kid's got confidence. He throws up the ball and he takes a swing and he misses and lands on the ground. He goes, well, you know what? Even, even great hitters, they, they miss every once in a while. So he takes it up again and he takes another swing and he misses again. He goes, I'm still the greatest hitter in the world. And he throws it up one more time, swings and misses again. And he thinks for a second, he goes, what do you know? I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, we could, just by reframing it, that uh, we can change things as, uh, as we look. Another thing is, uh, is this too, is never forget this. We can't affect what happened. We can't control what happens to our life, but we can affect how we, how we frame it. And the person example is, the, the best example is that I know of in the Bible, or one of them is, is Paul. You talk about somebody who could reframe things in a better way, because here's what's happened to him. Paul had always wanted to be able to preach the gospel in Rome because, man, if you can preach the gospel in Rome, it can reach everybody, right? It could reach the whole known world. So his bucket list, towards the top of his bucket list, is to preach the gospel, to be a pastor, to be a preacher in Rome. That's his bucket list. That's his dream. But you know what happens is he gets to Rome, but not the way he thinks he's going to get to Rome, does he? He ends up in Rome as a, as a prisoner. Not only a prisoner, but he is chained to a guard 24-7, a new guard every eight hours. Not quite the way he thought things would shake out in life. But you know what? Um, probably every one of us can relate to that in one degree or another, can't we? 
Maybe you, you, get a, you go to, to college and you're saying, man, if I just get a degree in this, if I work hard, if I get this degree, then I'm going to have, man, the fields are going to open up in, in my field of study and I'm going to get the job of my dreams. And you work hard and you get that degree and not only can you not find a job, you know, the job that you're wanting, it's not even the, the, got you, the job you get is not even in the field that you, that you studied. Or maybe that there's, um, may, maybe there's, there's sorry, uh, or th- something else. Maybe you, d- you dream that you were going to get married. If you just had, if you thought, if I can just marry my sweetheart, if I can just marry this person, then everything is going to be perfect in my life. And it doesn't come out exactly the way you want it. And it's tough and it's difficult and it's hard and it's a struggle. And you're going, what in the world happened to that dream? Or maybe you figure at this time in your life that you would be up to, to here in whatever, that you're, you'd accomplish these, this amount of goals, or you'd be, have this position, or you'd have this salary or something, and you found out you're not there, you're not where you were thought you'd be. And probably every one of us can relate to that at some degree or another in life. And that's where Paul was. And you know what he could have done? Paul could have said, you know what? Life stinks. I mean, God, you know, life's let me down. God's let me down. Everything's let me down. I've let myself down, everything. And you know what? I'm just going to turn my back on it all. I'm not even going to believe in God anymore. I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not going to preach the gospel anymore. I've had enough. I've had it up to here with things not working out the way I want them to do. And nobody would have blamed him, right? But listen to what he did instead. He said this in Philippians. Now, remember, he's chained to a, to a guard 24-7. He says this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Do you realize what he's saying? He's going, man, this is so great. He said, everybody thinks I'm the prisoner. I'm not the prisoner. These guys are attached to me. You've got these important, influential guards that are attached to me for eight hours. I can talk to them anything I want. You talk about your captive audience. And he's preaching the gospel to these people, a new one, every single, every eight hours. And he's stoked about the situation. He sees the hand of God in that situation. Now then, and look what he goes on to say here. He goes on to say, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He said, you want to hear something even better? He said, people are now, they are are now courageous in sharing their faith because they've seen what happened to me. They've seen what God is doing in my life and they're courageous all over the world. The, The word of God is spreading. Isn't this wonderful? And you talk about reframing a horrible situation. You can't get much worse than being in prison, chained to a guard. And he's saying, this is incredible. I see the hand of God even in the midst of this. Now, here's a picture of, of, of my house growing up or my view from my house. This is in Boulder, Colorado. This is a view that I woke up to every day of my life. I loved it. But there was one thing that you can't see is that over to the side, there were three transformers, okay? And they were ugly as sin. I hated these things, man. I hated these transformers. And every time I'd look at this beautiful view, I'd look over there and it just kind of spoiled the view to, uh, to me. Well, my dad, who's another guy, he was somebody that could absolutely see, uh, reframe anything, any person, any situation, he'd reframe it in the positive. And I remember I'm back there and I'm looking at the view and everything and he comes out and starts talking to me and he goes, have you ever noticed those three transformers? And I said, no, notice them, I hate them. And he said, you know, he said, you know what? Every time I look at them, you know what I see? He said, I see three crosses. And every time I'm reminded of what Jesus has done for us. And I thought, what a difference. 
Here I'm looking at the exact same thing he's looking at, and I get disgusted every time I see it, and my dad's having revival every time he sees it. All because of how we frame things, all because we look. Same situation, looking at it in a couple of, in a couple of different ways. So here's what, three principles that will help us to, to reframe bad situations in life. The first thing is this, the first, thank God for what didn't happen or what could have happened that didn't or things that aren't happening in your life that could be happening in your life in a negative way. For, with almost, you know, with, with very few exceptions, what is ever happening in your life right now, how bad it is, it could be worse. What has ever happened to you, what's happening at that, in any given situation, things probably could be worse in most, the vast majority of situations. It's kind of like the, the lady who, uh, the young lady who called up her mom and dad and said, we need to talk. So she drove home and she said, mom, dad, sit down. She said, I have some things to tell you. Said a, a while back, a couple of months ago, I, I went to a bar, I got drunk, I met this guy named Spike. I went to his house. Things happened. I'm, um, I'm pregnant with twins. But the good news is, the good news is, he gets off probation in a little while. And he said, too, you know, too, the, the really cool thing is, is you know, I, I know he's having a hard time finding a job right now because of all the felony charges on his rap sheet. But I'm, I, I'm taking care of him. He's living with me, and, and I'm supporting him. And it's going to be a whole lot better after he gets done with rehab and anger management classes, and we're going to get married. And then he says to mom and dad, Mom, uh, I just want to tell you that everything I just said was a lie, but I am getting a D in calculus. And I just wanted to put everything in perspective for a second. Things could be worse. You know, we, you could be in a, uh, in a fender bender. And, and, you know, it's a pain, and it's, it stinks, it's rough, it's, it's everything costly, takes you hours, takes money, everything, but maybe thank God that you didn't get killed or anything. Something else is, is maybe you didn't get the job that you want, or you get the promotion you want, or get, the, uh, or, or get something, but you have a job, you know, you have the job that's paying the, the, the bills. Maybe there's, you know, whatever situation it is in, in life. I remember one time that uh, just a few months ago, I was not able to go home on a flight that the, because of mechanical reasons, the flight was canceled. And I am stranded in Atlanta, Georgia at about 11, 12 o'clock at night. And I'm, and I'm frustrated. But they did put me up in a, in a hotel. And I thought, you know, even though I wanted to get home so bad, I'd been away for a, about eight or nine days, wanted to get home so bad that I thought to myself, well, let's see. It is better that they discovered mechanical situations on the ground rather than at 32,000 feet, right? And something else is they put me up in a hotel I couldn't afford. And, and instead of having to be in the sleep in the, uh, in the airport, and things could always be worse. You know, when I was going through a tough time a couple of uh, years ago, I was reading a, uh, a book at the time. I love history, love reading history, and I happened to be reading a book called Surviving the Killing Fields, which is about a, Cam- a Cambodian uh, young man who, during the, 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 the murderous reign of, of Pol Pot, was killing millions of, uh, of Cambodians. And just what this guy endured was absolutely incredible, that every day he was starving. Every day he was just trying to find sustenance to, to live. Every day that he was inf- afraid of being tortured and, and killed. And I'm thinking, okay... Life could be worse, you know. Uh, nobody's trying to kill me that I'm aware of. I have, I have a roof over my head. I have friends. I have things. And life could be, no matter how bad it is right now, it feels life could be a whole lot worse. So that's the first thing is that we realize that things could be worse no matter what is going on in our, uh, in our life. The other thing is, uh, is this, to practice pre-framing. 
Practice preframing. Now, Craig Rochelle is a, a pastor, and I heard him say, uh, uh, tell this story one time. And he said this. He said he was in Oklahoma where he grew up. He grew up in a small town in Oklahoma, and uh, he played tennis there. And he was the number, one, the, the number one tennis player on his team, and somehow he made it to, he made it to, to state. And not only did he make it to state, he made it to the quarterfinals. He's a completely unranked guy, and suddenly he is facing the legend of their state, maybe the greatest tennis player that ever played in that, uh, in that state, and he is having to play this, this guy. And he's got him on the ropes. I mean, this is an incredible David and Goliath story, and there are, there are, are thousands or hundreds of people that are watching them play this, this match. Everybody's gathered around, and he had, he had him down five, uh, five games to one, and he had seven set points. Now, what a set point is, if you win this, you win the whole thing. He's got him there seven times. He had a chance to win, and seven times he blew it, and he became a legend, but not in what he wanted. He became legend as they gave him a nickname called The Choker. And you think about this. I mean, we've all probably been given labels at one time or another when we were a little kid. And it's amazing. The world never gives positive, rarely gives positive labels. Maybe if you're Irvin Johnson, you can get the name magic in there. But usually, it's a negative thing, right? And anytime Satan gives you a, a label, it is always going to be negative. But here's what his, his coach said. He said, don't you dare take hold of that label. Don't you dare let that label become real in your life. And he said this. He said, don't own that label. You need to understand that you've got more experience that uh, that can help you succeed than anybody else. He said, you've been in the tight spot, and you know what doesn't work. What happens when you get nervous in sports? You start playing not to lose when you need to play to win. You stop taking risks, and you start pushing instead, but you've got to swing hard. You've got to bring everything. What you... you, uh, what I want you to know is that you are going to be great because of the experience that you've just had in tight spots. When you find yourself in a tight spot again, which you will, tell yourself that from now on, you can rise to the occasion. And he said this in response. He said, I'm telling you, from that day forward, I've told myself, I am a pressure player. When things get tough, before, don't miss this, before they ever get tough, I tell myself, I'm great under pressure. My God is with me. My God is for me. In leadership situations, the tougher the situation, the more I want to be involved. And stop believing the lie of the past and start believing the truth of God. Stop believing the, the label that has been given you and start believing what God says about you. You know, I said I love photography. Here's a picture that I took a few a few years ago, this is a picture of a, a, a lioness and her, and her cub. And here's what I do in most pictures is just like what you would do is you have the picture and then you try to find the frame that matches the picture, right? That's what you do. But here's something I did. I bought this frame in Africa and I did not buy this frame because I love the frame. I bought this frame because I love the person that was selling it. This guy would not give up. This guy was the most persevering person I've ever seen in my life. And I said, I want to reward this guy for his perseverance. It's probably a sermon there, right? But here's what happens is, now this, this is a weird, it's a weird, you know, dim- dimension. So what I have to do is I have to now find a picture. Whatever picture I find, it has to fit this frame, right? Now, can you imagine in life, if everything that happens to us that somehow fits into this frame that I'm about to tell you, that we realize, God, you know what? This is what I know about you. I know you're good. And I know you're faithful. And I know you're loving. And I know you're in control. And I know you love me. And I know that you're with me no matter what, no matter where. 
And I know that you say in your word that you work all things together for good because I love you and I'm called according to your purpose. And here's one that's hit me lately is this. I'm telling you, this will change your life for the better. And this is something I'm, de- I'm understanding right now and I'm trying to get in my life. I'm not there yet, but this is helping so much when things happen, when struggles happen. And here's the other thing that God just pointed out, that a verse that, uh, for our light and momentary trials are achieving in us an eternal glory which far outweighs them all. Do you know what that's saying? This blows me away. It's one of those verses that just, I've read, memorized everything, but it just exploded in my heart. That means not only is God going to work everything together for your good, but the very garbage that you're going through is what God is going to use to bring you to who he wants you to be and the place he wants you to be, to your promised land. I'm not saying God causes those things or brings those things to your life, but he uses those things. He will use every tear. He will use every heartbreak. He will use every struggle every difficulty to bring you to the place where he wants you to be in life. And can you imagine if this, in life, the next thing something happens, we can admit it and say, God, I'm scared right now. Or God, this hurts. God, this is a pain. God, this is rough. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. Before I ever deal with this situation, I know it has to fit in this frame. I know whatever I'm dealing with has to fit in the frame that God, you are good. God, you're in control. God, you love me. God, you will never, ever leave me or forsake me, and you will work all things together for good because I love you. Can you imagine the difference in our life that no matter what happens, somehow it has to fit in that frame? That's what I'm talking about, reframing. Amen. And finally is this, is look for God's goodness in in everything. Because if you look for his goodness... You're going to find it even in the darkest of valleys, even in the darkest of situations. And if you can go ahead and throw that. You know, one thing, there's vultures in this world, aren't there? And vultures will always, they will always, they will always see what stinks, what is rotting, what is, what is, what is decomposing, right? They'll always see what stinks. And we can do that. We can have that attitude towards life. Everything that we see, we can see it through the filter of everything that, that stinks. In fact, you think about that. You think about the Pharisees... They saw Jesus, they, they were constantly putting him down, constantly seeing things that he did wrong. That's Jesus, who never did anything wrong. And if, there, if people are going to see things wrong with Jesus all the time, that's all they saw was everything he was doing wrong that wasn't going with the way they wanted him to, to go. If they're going to do that with Jesus, people are going to do that in, in life too. And if you want to look at life negatively and everything, man, just join the crowd because that's, that's the world we live in, Right? That's most of the people around you. But at the same time, there's hummingbirds in this world. And hummingbirds are completely different. They look for what is sweet. They look for the nectar. They look for what is beautiful, right? And, and so, and you know what? They're going to see it. They see it because that's what they're looking for. And Jesus said this, seek and you will what? And you know what that means? That means if, if this, is, this has profound implications for every area of your life. In your relationships, you're looking for something bad, you're going to find it. If you're looking for somebody, something bad in your spouse you're going to find it. But if you're looking for something good in your spouse, you're going to see that. If you're looking for something bad and something to be disappointed in in your kids or in your parents, you're going to see that. You're going to see it everywhere because that's what you're looking for. But if you're looking ways to to just appreciate and thankful and everything for your kids or thankful for your parents, you're going to see that too. If you're looking for things to to be upset at in your job, in your church, in the United States, in the government, whatever it is, whatever we're looking for is what we're going to see. If we look at things to be thankful for, if we look for things to be grateful for, if we look things to be that are positive, we're going to see that. And that doesn't mean you don't, you fake out life and you pretend it's not there. But there's something that if Paul can reframe 
jail and prison and, and, and being, being, you know, chained to guards, we can reframe whatever's in our life as well, and we can look at through the frame of what God is doing and who the character of God is. Amen? If we can bow our head and close our eyes, if we could stand at this time too. If the prayer team can come forward, now here's what we need to do. There's times that we need to realize that we have a cognitive bias and, and maybe something happens and we respond in a way that's, that's not the way we want to respond and we need to go back and say, what is that? What happened there? What's, what's the filter that I'm thinking this through that's, that's causing negativity in my, in my mind and in my heart? And we need to reframe life, right? We need to reframe. Now, the, the Bible would say that this is called renewing our mind. That's what Paul says. He says... It says to renew our, our mind. Not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of mind. And then he says this. If we do that, he'll, we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know God's will for your life? Let your, let your mind be renewed. And realize that whatever that is, whatever you're going through, that it could be worse, most likely. And we look for the good what God's doing because God's in that picture somewhere and if we look at him and we look at at what God is doing the revival he's bringing in our heart and the good he's doing even in the midst of the junk even in the midst of the prison even in the midst of the difficulty even in the midst of the struggle and also to reframe every picture so God what we want to do right now Lord Jesus we ask that you renew our mind we ask that we start any way that we are stinking thinking God, we pray that you, uh, you change the attitude, the thoughts and the attitudes of our mind, Lord God. Help us to reframe exactly the way you want us to. Help us see everything through the filter of you are awesome and you have our back and you're going to take care of our life. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.